What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smart Out Moment Smack Talk Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Tony Mango, and joining me, as always, is Robert DeFelice. They said it couldn't be done, but here I sit with an excitement level that is comparable to an NXT takeover after a WWE pay-per-view event. I wouldn't go that far up, but at the same time, very happy overall with what we got at Elimination Chamber 2019, which is what we're going to be breaking down here. And we're going to go top to bottom, talk about the hits and the misses, and all our thoughts about everything that happened here. And we invite you guys to all do the same in the comments section below on YouTube, or if you are on iTunes and Stitcher, leave a comment elsewhere. I don't know, tweet at me or whatever the case may be. Uh, so pre-show, we should start off that. Uh, not too much to talk about on the pre-show itself. Uh, I don't remember actually anything really happening. Um, couple of, like promos, couple of vignettes, couple. Uh, there was the bar and uh, heavy machinery randomly. Actually, I missed that. That must have happened when I went to go get food. Yeah, what? I kind of thought that they were gonna like fight at the pay per view, but they came out. The bar came out to talk about the SmackDown tag title match. And then Heavy Machinery just came out and we're like, hey, we we can fight. And, you know, and I don't know, they just randomly cut away from that, too. So hmm. I know that like Alexa Bliss gave a solidly like, heel promo, which kind of firmly, you know, puts her back into the category of she's not turning babyface. And was it here or was it later where they did the Kevin Owens thing? Uh, I was there with the pineapple, yeah. Yeah, the pineapple pizza, which... Yeah. I love pineapple and I love pizza, but you don't mix the two together, no. No, you do not. But we um, did have the Cruiserweight The, the champ- Kofi promo, which is in the middle of the Cruiserweight title match. Yeah, that was really... That struck me odd. The Cruiserweight Championship match, for those who didn't know, was Buddy Murphy defending successfully against Akira Tozawa. And uh, about a, maybe two minutes into it or so, they just kind of branched off to the side to talk about uh Kofi Kingston interview, which I mean it is the kickoff, but it's still just another slap in the face for the two oh five live crew because it's like these guys never get any promotion and they are always on the kickoff. And you gotta figure there's a limited amount of people that watch two oh five live and a limited amount of people that watch the kickoff. And you're also going to be like, yeah, but we don't even want to make sure that this promo happens during the other section of the kickoff. Let's have it be in the middle of the match. And it's like, mm, come on. This was a match that people chanted this is awesome twice for. It was a damn good match. And, and I'm going to say it was a damn it. good promo. Both uh, both of these segments should have been on the main show because both were great. Yeah, the promo could have been a little interstitial. That would have been fine. And the uh, Tozawa and Buddy Murphy match, it was better than I was kind of expecting as far as... Buddy Murphy, he was going in as a champion that pretty much everybody should have known was going to retain, but they made at least one point in the match. I don't remember how far along into it it was, but it was far enough along in that when Tozawa hit his senton, I was like, oh, damn, they might actually have him win the title. When he hit it on the... Buddy Murphy was draped over the apron? Yeah, that one. I thought that that actually might end up switching the, the title around that time, so they got me when it came to that, and just... I think that this is the type of match that people should go back and watch if they haven't seen it. 
Yeah, I would absolutely recommend this show. I would absolutely recommend 205 Live. Those guys deserve way too much more. And I think that, you know, it's a big miss putting them on the pre-show all the time. It is. Also, uh, when I was talking about this in the, uh, like, the around the time that it was happening and stuff, I made the mistake of accidentally referring to him as Muddy Burphy. And now I can't yeah. get that out of my head, so... In future episodes of Smack Talk, if I accidentally say Muddy Burphy, it's because that burned itself into my brain. So you'll be able to backtrack it to February 17th, 2019. Uh, he used to be murky. Now he's muddy. So he's getting slightly different uh, ecological kind of a scenario. Let's go to the first match <laughs> of the card itself. Muddy Murky. And the, 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 that's going to be stuck Muddy Murky. <laughs> it might muddy be his murky. new thing. Muddy Murky. The first match of the actual card itself was the Women's Tag Team Championship Elimination Chamber match. Nia Jax and Tamina, the Riot Squad, Bailey and Sasha Banks, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, the Iconics, and Naomi and Carmella were competing in that. And I thought that this was actually probably my favorite match of the night in a lot of different ways. I have, I took a lot of mental notes here. First of all, credit to all six of these teams. For wearing matching gear. Little things like that set the tone for the overall match. And that alone said, wow, these six teams are taking it very seriously. Because they all bothered to wear matching gear. And they all looked like teams, including Naomi and Carmella, who were kind of a thrown together team. And they all, except for Nia Jax and Tamina, had a team name. Right. Because... Again, if nobody knows, Bailey and Sasha Banks are referred to as the Boston Hug Connection. Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville are Fire and Desire, and Naomi and Carmella are the um, fabulous, fabulous truth. Glow. Fabulous, no. fabulous truth. <laughs> fabulous no. glow. Uh, that'd be funny if they were the fabulous truth and they just brought that back. Uh, so, Jackson Tamita, what kind of a tag team name can we give them? Um. I really, I was thinking head shrinkers, but then I heard, okay, guys, sorry, but the first thing that popped into my mind was tit shrinkers. <laughs> well, I had some other horrible uh, suggestions and stuff, like large and in charge, but. <laughs> um, why not just call them the Samoan savages or something? Okay, it could be cheeky, but like, it, it works. They are Samoan, and they do look like savages, and they wrestle like savages. I was very concerned all the women that they interacted with because I was worried that they might actually get hurt. Just one thing, if they keep going forward, please, WWE, do not call them, like, how they do, like, the, the mashup of the names. Don't take Tamina and have it, Tamina. like, Tamina. Don't do that. Don't don't <laughs> fucking do Tamina. Uh, yeah, don't do that. Or Taminax or something like that. <laughs> it's just, All that stuff's awful. Don't ever do that, WWE. Um, Okay, mental note about the commentary. They've got to stop doing the thing where they go, Oh my god, this is it! Because there are at least four times on this show, so in this match, there's at least two of them, where I really thought somebody might get eliminated or it was over, and then the commentary oversold it with the, Oh my god, it's over! And I went, Oh, okay, there's going to be a kick out. <laughs> Yeah, it's the total opposite of what it should be doing. Oh, this is going to be the end. Okay, clearly this isn't the end. 
<laughs> there was well, also a I- point where somebody said something along the lines of like unstoopable or something like that. I, I can't remember who it was and what they had said, but it was like they wanted to say unstoppable and it was unstoopable or uh, whatever it was. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, what great work by the commentary team when it came to uh, Banks and Bailey and that spot where uh, Bailey was climbing up the chamber pod and they're like, remember what happened last year? Is she going to do it again? It was, was this all hoax? Yeah, I really enjoyed that. A lot of the way that they booked this was really good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, got to give credit where it's due. And they had a lot of continuity here. I liked, for instance, and we'll talk about this on the hot tags a little bit more, too. But there's been stuff going on for anybody who doesn't know. Uh, Naomi was a part of a situation where she was driving on the wrong side of the road. And then that led to Jimmy Uso getting arrested and then there was a situation now with Carmella and Corey Graves where Corey Graves is having an affair and blah, 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 blah. So out of the bunch of this, I mean, we all wrote out or wrote off uh, Fabulous Glow as just sort of like the jobber team. And between both of them having some kind of outside backstage behavior kind of thing going on and being the team that has not been teaming as much and being the team that was clearly just thrown together – I liked that they were the first team eliminated, and I also liked that they were eliminated by the Iconics, because the Iconics never really get a win. Particularly, they did a good job eliminating them because they did a double-team move, and that was a good source of, you push the Iconics a you know, slight bit more than you normally would, you take out the jobber tag team that nobody would expect to really win, unless it was a complete joke or farce or whatever, and... You do so in a tag team fashion, which illustrates again that it's a tag team affair. I like that quite a bit. That was a good moment of that. And that was just one of the first things that they had done when it came to that stuff. Really a lot of like tandem offense. And I know it's a tag team match and you would think, well, duh. But a lot of times you don't get that in WWE. And I really enjoyed the way this match was wrestled in that respect. As far as the fabulous glow and all this stuff they had going on, one of the things I really liked was they didn't panic, they didn't have Bliss and Mickey James jump them backstage to eliminate them completely. They didn't replace Graves on commentary. It was business as usual. They kept the personal where the personal belongs, and everybody did business, and it was really good. And by the way, that springboard ass attack from Naomi was really <laughs> cool. Yeah, I liked it. That was probably the best one she's done in a long, long time. I liked uh, Nia Jax going through the ring pod the plexiglass door you know if you figure they were going to do that at some point on the pay-per-view and that's a way to get her out of the mix so that way tamina could get pinned and all four women like jumped all over tamina the logic that was used within this match was amazing because it was just like everything made sense there wasn't really anything that didn't make sense the use of the iconics was phenomenal they were scared to get into the chamber, which is something you don't often see. Then they got in there when everybody was down and they started frantically pinning people, which was great. And then when they got caught by Tamina and Naya, who were really treated like monsters in this match, they were literally in the ring together like, I'm sorry, this is it for us, and I'm sorry. I thought it was great. Kind of makes you wonder who booked the match. Is it somebody like, I don't know, like Abyss, 
Sanjay Dutt, like any of the people that like were new to the team, Jeff Jarrett maybe or something, if he's a part of that kind of a crew, or was it maybe written mostly by the women involved? Or is this just kind of one of those off chances where the people that normally do this kind of stuff just happen to have a good idea? Because this was written much better than what they normally do. For some reason, my mind is saying Tyson Kidd booked this. Maybe, because he is more on the tag team side of things. And he's on the logical side of things, and he's the only person who's been in a tag team chamber. And yeah, you know. Mm. And they went with the right call here. They had uh, Bailey and Banks win the titles at the end. Oh, what a what a fucking emotional moment, dude! I like I was getting choked up when I heard Beth Phoenix on commentary get choked up. Like, what an emotional moment! I was it, like, if it was me, if this is the route that they're going with Trish and Lita, I would have pulled the trigger right there and been like, "And there's the WrestleMania match, Trish and Lita come out and point at the sign or something." But like, what a what a great, just what a feel good moment, dude. I like nothing bad to say here. Yeah, good way to start off the pay per view too, where you start off with positives because they could have easily done something like had Rose and Deville win and then drop it a fast lane or something just to swerve people, and instead they went with the idea of just it's predictable, but let's go with the thing that makes the most sense. And now Bailey and Banks are going to continue to keep that going. They'll go into WrestleMania, they'll fight either the Bella Twins or Trish and Lita, and that'll be a much bigger match than, at this point, probably the SmackDown Women's Championship match. But we'll, well see when it comes point, to probably that. Probably the Universal Championship match, but I'll get to that later in the show. Yeah, well, we'll see about that one and all the other kind of stuff like that too, but uh, this was an event where they clearly were switching things up on the road to WrestleMania to start to put whatever their plans are into um, into motion, and one of those means to do that was to have The Miz and Shane McMahon drop the SmackDown Tag Team Championship to the Usos. Before that happened, though, Maurice came out, and she announced that she's pregnant again. Good um, for Miz. Yeah. Congrats to the couple, obviously, and I'm curious how this is going to play out on Miz and Mrs. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, You know... Miz genuinely seems like he loves his WWE family. And it was just a another feel-good moment. And then they had this match, which, by the way, might be in the minority here. I really enjoyed this match. Like, this was a fun match for me. I didn't uh, love way, it, but I thought it was fine. But the way that Shane has been wrestling these tag team matches... I'm really sold on the idea, like, he's fully committed to being a champion wrestler. Like, he's high intensity, he's reckless as ever, and it's been a lot of fun. He still can't get that DDT down, though. Hey, listen, if it's not jumping off his stuff, it's not his forte, it's okay. <laughs> I was really shocked that the Usos won the titles here, not only so just because of the shocked. whole situation with Jimmy Uso, but because I just didn't expect them to drop these titles. I thought that they'd be carrying them at least until Fastlane, if not heading into WrestleMania. And now it's like, all right, well, now the Usos are the champions. Do they just have some kind of like the Usos against the Bludgeon Brothers or something stupid? If they're so, then that's going to suck. Well, here's the thing. 
if Daniel Bryan does end up getting Harper, then I think that'll play into something with the New Day. And that'll play into the championships just because. I'm still hoping that Harper is not in the mix, but we'll talk about that a little bit too. But I kind of, uh, with the SmackDown tag title situation, I kind of am hesitant to think one way or the other because if they go with something that is really dumb, I'm going to look back on retrospect and wish that they would have just kept the belts on Miz and McMahon. And if they go with something much better, for both the tag title situation and with Miz and Chain, then this might have been the best course of action. It it's sort of it's too easy, not easy. It's too hard to tell right now. Too early, and if it just leads to the Miz and Shane McMahon against each other, I don't really want to see that. You know, but they didn't turn. Well, there wasn't a turn tonight. Well, but they did have the backstage segment where Miz was just all pissed off because he let Shane down and his dad down and his wife down and his. His girl, his little girl down, his unborn child down. He got all fired up about that. I enjoyed that. I hear me out on this. The women's tag titles are cross branded. I can't think of a better tag team wrestling match at WrestleMania than the Usos versus the Revival. Do we just unify the belts? I don't think they're doing that, no. But, like, if if you had a choice between two sets of Fatal 4-Ways and the Revival versus the Usos, and now you just have one cross-branded tag division, what are you going with? Well, if that's my only two choices... Because <laughs> yeah. obviously, if I had it my way, we'd put a little bit of emphasis on the damn things and stuff, and also have brand new title belts because those belts are awful. I mean, I kind of look at that as another one of those sta- same kind of um, moves that they did before with the brand split. Because one of the first things that they did when they were getting rid of the brand split was they unified the tag titles. Yep. Wouldn't shock me if they did it, but at the same time. I'm leaning more towards the idea that the Revival fight either Authors of Pain at WrestleMania, if Akum is able to return in time, or they get some kind of, like, pre-show bullshit spot, and it's like, I don't know, them against, like, Ryder and Hawkins or something. And the Usos, maybe one of those clusterfucks. Maybe it's Usos and Sanity and New Day and whatever, you know? Kind of just a disappointment, but I'm not really banking on a whole lot of things going on with that. And at least when it was the Miz and Shane McMahon, I was thinking that they would give him a more prominent spot. Although maybe that's just not necessarily what they had planned to begin with. And maybe this is going to be better. So I'm withholding a little bit of judgment on this one. Fair enough. Same thing to a certain extent when it came to the Intercontinental Championship match, because that was a handicap match. Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush against Finn Balor. And one of the potential options, I mean, it's kind of, it's one way or the other, either Bobby Lashley was going to retain or he was going to lose the title. And Finn Balor, if he was going to win, it seemed pretty obvious that he would beat Leah Rush because that's the point of the whole handicap thing. That's what happened. So we have a new Intercontinental Champion. Balor is the champion now. 
And they did a little thing after the match, which was Bobby Lashley taking his frustrations out on Leo Rush. And of course, immediately people jumped in. Bobby Lashley turned babyface. He didn't, everybody. Uh, well, they they solidified that shit later on. Yeah, I mean, that was one of those things where it's like, hold on a little bit, everybody. This is not going to be a babyface turn. I uh, thought he did too, for, to be honest, because people really popped. And by the way, did he not say fuck you? <laughs> when he dropped him, I didn't catch that. He he either said "fuck you" or "fuck that," but he said "fuck" right <laughs> before he slammed Leo Rush. I'm gonna have to uh, go back and check that out. That sounds kind of funny. Very funny. Credit again. Credit to the logic of having Finn Balor actually do the smart thing and pin the weaker man, and then get the fuck out of Dodge mm-hmm. before Lashley got his hands on him. Like, yeah. whoever booked this show was booking with brain power and logical intent moving forward. It's almost like they did their jobs. <laughs> like, somebody backstage was just kind of like, can we think about the outcomes for this? And somebody's like, oh, I got to think of them? <laughs> and then they're like, yeah. What if we did this? What if we did that? And they're like, oh, my God, Phil, you're great at this. You're actually thinking. I liked how that happened. I don't know if I'm going to be super happy about what they do with this going forward. But again, I have to withhold a little bit of judgment because this is going to be a tricky scenario because you've got Bobby Lashley doing this whole thing with Leo Rush that I think that they can't really get past. Like Lashley on his own, he's not a talker. And him with Leo Rush, that's a pretty decent pair. So do they break those up? And if so, then does Leo Rush just go back to 205 Live and there's nothing more to him? I think that's the message they send. Maybe. And I don't know if I'm really going to like that as much. But we'll see how that goes. And then there's Finn Balor. And who does he end up fighting at WrestleMania? Because I would assume that what would happen here is Bobby Lashley probably gets a rematch, even though there's not the direct rematch thing, at Fastlane. And then beyond that point, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more when it comes to some other things. But generally speaking, the idea of Finn Balor as Intercontinental Champion, yay or nay? Yay. Very much yay. Here's a guy who I we don't give him a lot of love on this podcast, but I'm not going to deny that he's crazy over. He's crazy talented. And he deserves to be in a featured spot. The Intercontinental Championship, much like Rollins last year, is the perfect spot. So, yay, very much. I'm leaning more towards yay, but who knows? We'll see. Uh, Then we went to the down point of the night for me the most. It was Ronda Rousey squashing Ruby Riot for the Raw Women's Championship in a way that Everybody just saw it coming. It was like, all right, just get this out of the way and go to the other spot because there was no point for this whatsoever other than to set up the idea that Charlotte Flair, who was ringside, came into the ring, had a little bit of a stare down with Ronda Rousey until Becky Lynch came out. She's coming from the crowd on crushes because they did a whole angle where she uh, she attacked Charlotte on the live event from last night, if I remember correctly, or the night before. And uh, she gets ushered out by security after attacking the two of them. So it's literally this segment existed to have the footage of the three of them in the ring for the next few weeks. And that's about it. 
Well, well, hold on. Because I actually, I wasn't bothered by this. I thought it was really well done. Except for Ronda Rousey's gullibleness. But that's okay. I thought it was very well done because we did see it coming. You know, Ruby Riot was completely, you know, overlooked here. Which, what can you expect? We're moving towards the first women's main event in the history of WrestleMania. But I thought it was good. I thought Becky Lynch comes out on crutches like Stone Cold 97, even though they're injured, not staying away. And, you know, beats the shit out of Charlotte Flair, gives Rhonda takes a crutch, and she's like, hey, remember Survivor Series. And Rhonda goes to hit Charlotte, and Becky starts beating her up. Highlight here was the commentary. Because again, very logical on their behalf. Michael Cole was like, why is nobody stopping her? She's suspended. Why is nobody doing anything? And Corey's agreeing with him, and Renee's like, yeah, but but she deserves to feel these feelings that she's feeling. And, you know, I, I agree justice for Becky, and Cole's still going, yeah, but none of that matters. She's suspended. Get somebody out here. And then when they finally send down the usual, like, indie guy security, Graves just goes, yeah, that's going to stop her. I'm sure that's going to do a whole lot. And it, it's so true, because sometimes they send out everybody for, like, a, a, a poke to the chest. And here's a full-on beatdown by somebody who's suspended, and they did nothing. Absolutely nothing. I, I get where they're coming from when they're booking this, and I can't even say that I wouldn't do the same thing. But to me, this fell flat. And it was just sort of like, all right, it's another Monday Night Raw segment. Let's move on, sort of thing. That always gets under my skin. If I ever feel like something is a Monday Night Raw thing on a pay-per-view, it usually ends up a sour note for me. That's fair. Now, here's my gripe with this scenario overall. If I'm Seth Rollins in character and maybe a little bit out of it, I'm pissed off. Becky Lynch is one thing, but why are they still advertising this Charlotte Flair match as the main event of WrestleMania? If I'm Rollins, I'm pissed. I won the Royal Rumble. I'm fighting Brock Lesnar. Why is Charlotte Flair, who didn't win anything, being announced for this headlining history-making match? Because they're not shying away from it. They're very... They're very much smacking you in the face that this match is closing the show. And if I'm Rollins, I'm a little pissed off about that. What do you think? It wouldn't shock me at all if they have Rollins refer to the match as being the main event too, though. And it's not going to be. But it wouldn't shock me if over the next few weeks if it's like, you know, I got to take it to the main event of WrestleMania or something like that. Like They like having their multiple main event things. I don't know, man. I think that, like, this this is a bit of a burn on Rollins. Like, it's no knock on the women to say this, but Rollins is going to go down as, dude, you won the Royal Rumble, and you're supposed to be headlining Mania, and the men are so bad right now that the girls are closing above you, you know? To be fair, though, 
is Rollins and Lesnar really like the most important, amazing thing that's happened in a while? It's it's a match we've seen it's, before. It's definitely not. And the Becky thing, though, the main reason I'm very much okay with this match closing is because it's not just what it would have been had the Survivor Series match gone down, where it's, oh, it's Charlotte and Ronda. Isn't this so cool? No, Becky is the most organic over superstar on the whole roster, male or female. That's why I'm okay with this closing. But other than that, man, I, I would still have to say, at the end of the day, you're going to put the emphasis on your men, specifically your raw men. So I would always tend to lean towards that more. But, you know, they're doing what they're doing, and it's working for them because people love themselves some Becky Lynch. Myself included. But if I'm Rollins, I got a bit of a chip on my shoulder even more now. If I'm Rollins, I'm looking at this as how am I not doing my part to try to make it so I'm the guarantee? Yeah. Because, hey, I mean, he does have Brock Lesnar in the mix. Brock Lesnar is supposed to be, like, the most important fucking person. And if Rollins is just sort of plan C or something like that, then that kind of falls back on Rollins a little bit, you know? But if he, no, you know what? If he's plan C, then that falls back to me on the company. How do you not have... Well, yeah. How do you not have... If if you're telling me Rollins after the year that he's had, because he's had a year that's very much deserving of the spot that he's in, but if you're going to treat him like plan C, then you should have had a plan A and B ready to go. Yeah. Even if that, even if it's John Cena, this is your WrestleMania. You should have something major ready to go. Yeah, I mean, I can't fault that one because it does ultimately come back down to WWE. It's their job to set up the things that are happening for the events. So, I don't know. We still don't even know what's happening with the WWE Championship either, too. So, that's another whole <laughs> another animal. But then we got into our no disqualification match, Braun Strowman against Baron Corbin, which had I to be the whole Drew McIntyre interference. And instead, it was also Bobby Lashley who interfered. I, I was very open with you about this. I did not see this match. After a two hours of nonstop, okay, this is newsworthy, this is newsworthy, I went to the bathroom. <laughs> By the time I came out, the referee counted three. And I look at my television and I see an exact replica of what I saw in November where it's Corbin, McIntyre, and Lashley posing over a fallen Braun Strowman. So my question to you is, how did this happen? Why are we back here? And how is this the best that they have for McIntyre and Lashley? I'll go in reverse. It isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, why are we back here? I think it was the second question. Yeah. Because they're lazy. And how did it happen? As simple as in the middle of the match, Drew McIntyre came out and then Bobby Lashley came out and they just attacked him. So there's like nothing with, did Angle try to save him? Nope. Like <sighs> Nobody came out. Nobody tried to help. It was just three on one, which again, kind of felt like a raw segment. And wasn't really all that impressive to me. Didn't really get me interested going forward outside of just 
plain curiosity of, well, who are the two people that are going to tag with Strowman? Because it could be Angle. It's got to be, be Angle and Balor. It's got to be Angle and Balor. That's the only place my mind went. Yeah, but it also could just be something like uh, maybe they get a fourth person into the mix or something, and this is just the three of them, and then, you know, I don't know. But it's probably just Balor and uh, and Angle. And if they just switch these three and three back and forth over and over and over again and then do some kind of a six-man tag at WrestleMania, I'll be pissed. Don't want that to happen. Well, I don't think it should, should be done at WrestleMania. I'll say that flat out. But I do think if you do a three-on-three at Fastlane and then out of that, you get, like, McIntyre versus Angle and, you know, Balor versus even Strowman if you get Monster versus Demon or something. I'll be all right with that. Corbin wouldn't shock me if it, in the Battle Royal, you know, like depending on what they do with uh, Kurt Angle, it wouldn't shock me if these people had some kind of ties to a lot of other people by the end of the road to WrestleMania, like Ambrose and EC3 and Elias and Ziggler. Just wouldn't shock me. Overall, yeah. it was a block kind of a segment. It didn't really do anything for me. Yeah, I'm glad that this was. The designated bathroom break. But again, I'm going to go right back to what I just said about Rollins. For years, I watched WWE, and I never thought that two women's matches would be far more can't-miss, must-see than anything the men are doing. I think it's a strong statement on just how far, you know, the women have come and how the men... Some of the storylines are very just bland and complacent. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Uh, This in particular, it feels kind of like they just looked at everybody and they were like, I don't know, throw them all together. Like, there's not really too much to it. I think it was, we need Strowman on the card. We need, well, put him against Corbin. And we got to make it no DQ. And you know what? Let's just try to conclude this story that we never got to conclude. Hmm. I'm I'm wondering. Uh, well, you know, that's more speculation for another time. Uh, yeah, that's about all I have to say for that thing. Anything else you want to chime in about that? Um. Yeah, uh, Strowman really fell from. Hey, you're gonna fight Lesnar. To being in the bathroom break segment. So a quick segment that happened after this was they had Lacey Evans come out. She walked halfway down the ramp and turned back around and fucked off. Yeah, what the <laughs> fuck was that? <laughs> I don't know. And I got a feeling that they're going to keep doing this over and over again. So I'm not really all that much into that because that just seems like really lazy. But then maybe it's just, you know, a means to get her out there and it's not the end of the world. Still is just it really kind of lazy or is it really lazy? <laughs> lazy Evans, that's what it is. Uh, yeah, I thought it was weird because they cut right to a commercial. And I was like, Am I watching Raw? What happened? And then they came back and she was gone. Like I she was just gone. So whatever. 
Then we had our main event of the night, which was the other Elimination Chamber match. It was for the WWE Championship. That featured AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, and Samoa Joe. And out of the mix of that, we pretty much had a two-man show. You agree or disagree? Uh, um, no, they set up some things. They definitely set up uh, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, as far as I'm concerned. They, um, Kofi getting his win back on Randy probably was nothing, but I really enjoyed seeing Kofi pin Randy because, god damn it, it was 10 years ago, but Kofi was supposed to be like the next big baby face and Rand- Randy just squashed him and that was it for Kofi. So for me, it was fun seeing Kofi pin Randy. Um, I love the graphics. Daniel Bryan's eco-friendly championship. That's funny. And yeah, then then the show really kicked off with the with the two men of Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan in the end. I didn't really think that any of them really mattered all that much except for Kofi and Bryan. I got the feeling that Samojo was just sort of there as filler. I got the feeling that Jeff Hardy was Eliminated pretty quickly, maybe because he's still dag- uh, dealing with some nagging injuries, or maybe just because they, you know, whatever, you need a sacrificial lamb every once in a while. And Orton didn't really do too, too much, but he was just kind of there. He eliminated AJ Styles, who didn't really do that much either. And, you know, I kind of just wrote four of the names off, and then it got it better. Like, if this would have just been the way that it was leading up to those four eliminations... Wasn't digging the match a ton. It was fine, but it wasn't really all that special. It was the Kofi and Brian stuff that was special to me. The these matches are hard, especially when you come into them with a massive baby face like Kofi Kingston was tonight. You know, even a guy like AJ, who's very very good, meant nothing. And I don't think that's commentary on AJ. I think that's just a commentary on the layout of these matches, you know, there's always just the the one main story and then the garnish around it. And a lot of really good talents fell into that garnish category tonight. What's your favorite garnish? Um, Snack hmm. talk time. <laughs> butter. <laughs> just throw a slab of butter on it. It's garnish. Why not? Yeah. I'm cool with that. Uh, how are you feeling when it comes to Kofi Kingston going forward out of this? Because I'm looking at this as a pat on the back. Thank you, Kofi. We're going to ignore you in a couple weeks. I am afraid of that scenario because I left this show. Like, let's be honest. The end of the show was the new day's music, you know, and like people were super into Kofi. Let's be clear. They were not chanting. This is awesome. They were fucking Kofi, Kofi. It, it was all Kofi. It was all about making Kofi a feel-good babyface. Brian's work as a heel was exceptional. Brian's body language in this match was very good. So was Kofi's for that matter. But it's, these two guys have to have a program. Even if it's just fast lane. they have to do more together. Maybe they could do the whole fast lane thing. 
but I'm still kind of leaning towards just them pushing this aside. And I, I don't want to be so cynical about it because it kind of craps all over the whole like positive energy that came about that. But I don't have faith in WWE really doing that. And I hope that I'm wrong about that because I really like Kofi Kingston. And I've liked Kofi from the start, essentially. From when he popped up in ECW, I've always been a fan of Kofi Kingston. So if they do give him something like that going forward, that could be kind of fun. Yet, I'm almost almost more now leaning more towards the Rey Mysterio for WrestleMania. And at that point, I think that maybe we get some kind of a rematch. Kofi Kingston challenges Daniel Bryan and says, like, you know, I almost had you or something. And on just a random episode of SmackDown, they do a rematch and Daniel Bryan just fucking beats him. Like, hope I'm wrong. You never know. This could be one of those random times where Vince was, like, really intently watching and listening and, like, holy shit, we need to do something with Kofi. That happens sometimes, you know what I mean? And this could be one of those times. I'll be honest, who would have thought last year that Daniel Bryan would not only be wrestling, but he would be such an overheel that somebody else like a Kofi can take that Daniel Bryan, you know, this guy deserves it, feel good position as a top baby face. I don't know. I just, I didn't foresee that, but I'm, I'm thinking it's Ray and that's not a bad match by any means. You can do a lot of great things with Brian ranting and raving about the masks not being a form of heritage, but a form of consumerism. And I'm down for all of that. But this Kofi thing feels special, man. It feels Ryback special. It feels <laughs> like, like it feels like don't fucking miss this. Like you have something here. Please do not pass over this. Tell you what, it's got to make them feel really good when it comes to those rumors that they might be, like, WWE might be worried that the New Day would leave. You got to be feeling really good if you're, if you're Kingston right now, you know? Yeah, and I think you absolutely do. And let's be honest, Kofi, Kofi deserves, like, he just deserves this. There's not a lot of people, you know, Ziggler being one of the only other people I would mention in this category who deserve this spot. And I just, I think if you have a chance to pull the trigger, and here's the thing, Kofi's homegrown. There's not a lot of guys who are homegrown. Kofi's a homegrown guy. I think you can do something really special with him. And on top of that, how do you even get to Mania if it's not Kofi? What do you do? Put... Mysterio against Andrade with the number one contender caveat? Do you have a battle royal? How do you get there? I'm assuming that number one contenders match at Fastlane. Which that just means you rush WrestleMania. Yeah, which is really, to be honest, what I hate about there being a pay-per-view in the month of March. WrestleMania does get rushed. But I can't honestly think of a year where the WWE title has been more of an afterthought 
because there's so much emphasis on this this woman's stuff with the women's tag titles and the women's raw women's match with Ronda Rousey. Oddly and, enough, though, not Oscar. Yeah, they just kind of put that off, you know. Which the last time she was seen, she tapped out Becky Lynch. Who's to say that they don't have something big planned for her? They could. Maybe. I don't have a whole lot of faith in it, but maybe. Uh, Bomakana. <laughs> you get a bunch of Blaze Black and they just gotta do that, you know? Listen, Aja Kong is wrestling. Anything is possible. Well, not anything. We're not gonna get Bertha Faye back. Well, no. You can't do that. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I mean, I like this match. I liked that they gave a little bit of a spotlight to Kofi Kingston because I think that he's deserved it. And even though I don't know where they're going in the for, uh, future for these kind of whole WWE title situation kind of angles, I'm still curious. So they didn't lose me. I'll put that out there. They haven't gained me more, but they didn't lose me. I think that's 100% fair. I think... There's a lot of good here. And by the way, credit to, maybe this is a knock on AJ, but hey, Daniel Bryan did what AJ didn't do in a year. He main evented a fucking pay-per-view as WWE champion. When was the last time that the WWE championship was the main event? Can you remember offhand? Um, God, I think it had to be in the gender era. I want to say the, um, no, it was the last, the last fast lane. Because it was still a SmackDown show. Huh, wow, that's pretty sad. Uh, that's all I got for my uh, side of things. Anything else you want to talk about when it comes to EC? Um, EC well, 2019 the, as opposed to EC3? I was going to say ECW or EC3. <laughs> um, good show. Really left on a high note and... I'm actually excited to see where they go from here with specifically the SmackDown side, because I think the Raw side is set in stone because we know we're getting Becky and Ronda and Charlotte, and we know we're getting Seth and Brock. So I'm interested in what they where they go with Balor, and I'm interested in everything that SmackDown is doing. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, even though I have a couple little tiny hang-ups and some nitpicks when it comes to this, I still overall... Left this pay-per-view thinking to myself, that was a good pay-per-view overall. And I'm I'm happy with it, you know. And anytime you can do that with a main roster show, that's a victory in my book. Yeah, that's definitely a win. Alrighty, so that is Elimination Chamber 2019 from our point of view. Make sure you drop your comments below and tell us what you thought of the pay-per-view and what you thought of the podcast, too, if you you know want to chime in about that. Make One sure more thing you... I really want to uh celebrate because we are wrapping it up it's eleven twenty four on sunday night guys and we're done with the podcast already they did this show did not overstay its welcome and i think that's part of the joy of it as well yeah i mean this could have been one of those ones where they dragged it out an extra half an hour and it could have made all the difference you know yeah maybe maybe not maybe it would have been great if they would have added an extra half an hour to certain matches i don't know Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel if you want to be aware of the next couple of things that we got coming your way. The next thing is going to be the hot tags where we will talk about the whole Carmella thing and hopefully we'll have even more information about some of those kind of stuff. We've got 
the next week, I don't know exactly what we're going to be doing for the main event yet. We might be doing a preview of the Smart Madness tournament. We might do a Mount Rushmore of tag teams. I don't know. So if you have any particular suggestions you want to toss out in the comments below, go ahead and do that. In the meantime, when you are subscribing on the YouTube channel, ring the little bell for the notifications. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SmartOutMoment. Make sure you check out SmartOutMoment.com for everything else that's happening on that side of things. FanboysAnonymous.com is my site for geek culture material like movie reviews and superhero talk, so check that site out. And I've got, of course, the Redbubble and Public shops for both different sites and the Patreon for both different sites. So if you want to throw some spare change our way, those are methods to do that. And you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook and everything at Tony Mango. It's called Toe and Knee and Mango. And you can follow Rob on his kind of ventures. Okay, so you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dude Felice. That's D-U-D-E-F-E-L-I-C-E. And I don't know if you knew this, Tony, but we've been talking a lot about the women uh, heading towards WrestleMania. There are two great articles on SmartGuyWoman.com. One by Callum Wiggins, who says Charlotte Flair is a great addition to this match. And one by Greg Coleman, who says more Charlotte Flair is bad for the women's revolution. So go check all that out on our website, SmartGuyWoman.com. As for more of my stuff, you know, you have e-wrestling news and Time Killer Apparel, which is my clothing brand. And anytime that I get an extra dollar there, that really warms my heart. But that's it for me. And uh, yeah, again, Callum Wiggins has that great article about Charlotte <laughs> Flair. paranoid about it, right? <laughs> that Charlotte Flair being in the main event of WrestleMania. And expect a new episode of 2001 Wrestling Odyssey coming to you very soon. Yeah, that's it, everybody. Thank you for listening to this. Hit that like button, share us, favorite us, whatever you might want to do. All that stuff's greatly, greatly appreciated, and we will talk to you the next time we talk to you. This has been another Smart Out Moment, and we're being counted out. Thank <laughs> you.